0: you're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So we'll be doing igros Moshe Yerodei Chilak Aleph uh, Simon Kuf Mem Dalid. This is a tshuva from Rosh uh, Chodesh Menachem Av Tav Tes Vav 5715 uh, So we're in uh, 1952, I guess. Um, it's written to Uh, Rabbi Aaron Jacobs. Uh, Moshe has, so far as I can tell, four shuvot. I think, written to Rabbi Jacobs all within these two years. He doesn't give him uh, any titles, so we don't know, uh, at least I don't know where Rabbi Jacobs is from. He seems to ask um, interesting, uh, straightforward questions. Um, This is a shuvah, though, uh, I think that is um, special in a couple of ways. Uh, The content is really beautiful. That's not so special in a rave moshe The structure is a conventional sheer structure, um, you know, with uh, a, with an opening question and with some intermediary questions which are then answered and then resolved to a uh right resolved to a much bigger question, kind of a chiastic structure. But most of are not usually written in that pure form. Uh, so it's really a very beautiful Shiva, um in that way. And uh we'll try and present some of that to you, but it's definitely worth reading uh, on your own again. It's Yerideh uh, Chelakal Simon Kuf Mem Uh It's a tribe that I have a particular liking for for two ways. Uh, one is that there's what I thought was a chiddush of mine, but not you know a chiddush that I thought was, of course, pshat and that everyone else had um, had seen but not really stated. And Ramosha states it explicitly. So Baruch um, Shav And also it responds to a question that uh, my wife Deborah often asks me and it responds to it in a way that I think, um, at least it allows me to respond to that question in a, a way that I think will be very helpful. Okay, so let's, um, we're going to start by presenting the question and the overall answer. We're not going to use the, the model of suspense, but then we'll try and go back and recreate the intellectual structure. Um, so the question uh, asked her of Moshe is as follows. There are um, three brothers uh, two of them are older and married and doing okay, and one of them is younger and not yet married. And they figure that in a, within the next couple of years, their younger brother will get, um, will get married, and he's, right, he's currently learning in yeshiva, and then he's going to have to spend a lot more to support himself. And they want him to continue to learn for a while after his marriage. But they realize that... The year, whatever he gets married, they're not going to have enough money to in their annual Stucca budget, which is taken as a given, whatever their annual Stucca budget is. uh, They're not going to have enough money that year to support him for the next year in learning. But what they can do is they can start taking money out of their Stucca budget this year and saving it to support their brother whenever he gets married. The question they're asking is but their brother doesn't have needs currently. Currently, the brother is a happy Kolnick can they take money out of this year's stuck-in budget um, for the sake of somebody uh, somebody whose need is coming in the future? Um, sort of, right, we're not dealing with the question of how you prioritize what your stuck-in money goes to right now. Uh, the only axis is right, we're assuming that their money goes to whatever purpose it does. Maybe they have a separate money going to a separate fund just for support or an amount going just to support Torah or they've broken up their master in uh, specific ways. The question as framed is just about immediate needs versus long-term needs that don't exist yet. So Rav Moshe's answer is that, yes, you can do this. When giving stucca, you're not required to think about immediacy as opposed to long-term. Now he says, but you know, I understand that there may, be, uh, there may be an issue that you may be worried that if you give the money now, that your brother will use it now or will get married and spend it on the wedding and he won't use it for learning. Um, so you're entitled to take precautions against that. But he says, um, if the money doesn't leave your, um, your domain now, you won't fulfill the mitzvah of tzadkah this year. And he seems to think that it's a value to fulfill the mitzvah of tzadkah now rather than two years from now, for whatever reasons he may think uh, he think that's wise. And so Ramosha Moshe uh, invents the donor-advised fund. What he says, I think you should do. Um, is you should take the, especially if you don't trust your younger brother not to use the money um, for other purposes, take take the money and put it, uh, he says, in a bank, in a designated fund, so that it leaves you a rishus, because that way you're a right? right? So the first really cool thing about this trivah is that I don't know when donor advice funds uh, come into being, but Ramosha certainly has them in the um, you know, has invented them in the 1950s. I assume that banks had a way of uh, doing that as well, uh, although I'm not sure exactly what the mechanisms were to control uh, what you could give the money for or not. Okay, uh, now Ramosha says, um, but uh, now we're going to go back to the, to the beginning of the trivia, Right? How he, get, how, he get, how he gets to that place. Um, so Ramosha says there are um, contradictions. In the in the sources, which we'll look at it with a little bit more detail later, as to whether, when you are trying to prioritize stucca, do we look at what the need is, or do we look at uh, who the people are? Right, we have places where we where we talk about uh, right whether prioritize ksus or mazonos or and we have places where we say Kohen, konal levi levi kod levi kodem um, so how do we resolve these contradictions so Rav Moshe here comes up with something that I said in, uh, in high school classes many years ago um, and Baruch Shekivanti I did not know Rav Moshe had said it uh, he says that there's a fundamental difference between really halacha talks about private stucca and public stucca and private stucca and public stucca are not the same halacha at all and what he says is that public stucca what matters is right, the first criteria is need um, right, that's why the sugya system is onus. That's talking about public stuka, but private stuka, the only criteria that we have is: right, first, you're supposed to give to your krovim first, to your relatives, and other than that, we don't care. Um, other than that, that, we don't care about uh, about need at all. Meaning that um, that you don't have to have equivalent needs as long as as long as both parties are included in the category of those who are able to accept stuka. You can um, give stucca to whoever you prefer. He frames this as that you have a right of tovah sonah with regard to private stucca. Right? You can choose uh, right, who, um, right, who will feel gratitude to you, but the public um have no right to think about such uh, su- such self-interested matters. Um, so therefore he argues that for a public stucca, you couldn't necessarily do this, although I think that will have to be complicated as we think about policy issues and the extent to which public stucca is entitled to take into account um, long-term needs in a different way. All right, it has to a budget for them as opposed to making a choice. Um, but private stucca, um, private stucca, uh, as long as it somebody fits in the category of stucca, uh, and even if somebody fits in the category of somebody who will need stucca, he uh, talks about the case of uh, people who who right who currently meet the income thre- the or the capital threshold. Um, that would not make them eligible for stucca, but they'll have to. it'll cost them money to get home. It's so about the time they get home. They'll need stucca again, so you can give them stucca now so that they can get home as opposed to putting them in an infinite loop. Um, so there's a fundamental difference between private and public stucca. Private stucca, there's a threshold, and then it's really only once you meet the threshold of needing stucca, there's really only one criteria, which is uh, relatives first, whereas public stucca is constantly evaluating uh, relative need and here's how he gets to that distinction uh, what he says is he has what he thinks is a clear indication that um, for pride that staka is based on you know all we, all we care about is karov or discretion with one exception which is going to say is going to matter that um, that, we, that the only distinction that matters really is other than, than relatives is me ya chachamim um, have preference to amahe but he says now the are says um, in hilchot staka seminary non- uh, in his list of distinctions, sort of Moshe says the implication of Ramah makes is that if there is a difference of need, um, so then it sounds from the Ramah that a difference of need trumps all personal distinctions, right? So a Kohen is kohen to a levi if their needs are equal. But if the levi's need is greater, then you give the levy before the coin. Um, and he gets this because the Ramah says that's not true by an Ama'aretz and a Tamil Chacham. By an Ama'aretz and a Tamil Chacham, even if the Tamil Chacham just needs clothing, and the ama aritz, um needs to be uh, survived, right, to and it needs to be kept alive, or the, uh, or the wife of a Tamil Chacham needs clothing. So the clothing of a Tamil Chacham or the wife of a Tamil Chacham or Eshis Haver, beats the l'hachios of an an Amaretz. So this is the question my wife always reacts in uh, moral horror to this. How could we possibly suggest that clothing, the dignity of a Talmud Chacham, or the wife of a Talmud Chacham trumps the life of an Amaretz? So Ramosha gets to that question in the following way. He says, look, I just brought a raya. What's my raya? My raya is that we said that the ksus of a Talmud Chachem trumps the lahachios of of an Amaretz, therefore it must be that for all other distinctions um, what matter, mezonos beats ksus, no matter who is involved. But he says that works only if when we say that uh, um, ksus Talmud Chachem kodem Am amaretz, that Am amaretz isn't p'ko'ach nefesh it just means a different kind of need. Um, because if what we're saying is that a the that of a talmud Chachem beats actually saving the life of an Amaretz, so then we would understand why that's not true of any of the others, right? It's not right, none, none of the others. Uh, none of the other cases could you prioritize clothing um, over life saving, but that wouldn't mean that you couldn't that you couldn't prioritize clothing. Over, you know, over anything short of life saving, so his raya would fall apart. Says Rav Moshe, if you understand this, um, if you understand the, um, if you understand the Rama as actually preferring the clothing and dignity of a Talmud Chacham over the life of an Amaretz. Now, why would you think that um, that you did? So he says, there's a Shach that seems to suggest this, So the Shach says that nowadays. We don't have talmid chachamim for um, all sorts of uh, halachos. Particularly, like, the special halacha that you have to pay an enormous sum of money if you publicly embarrass a talmid chacham. We say that for our purposes, the Rama says that there is no talmid chacham nowadays. And the Shach says, and that's also true for this halacha of preferring the ksus of a talmid chacham over an Aris, because how could we possibly say nowadays that that talmid chachamim um, who don't even merit those other uh, those other purposes. Uh, trump the pikuach nefesh of an Amaret. So that sounds like um, the shach really says that we're talking about preferring the clothing of a talmud Chachem over the life of an amaret. and If that's the case, says Ramosha, I have no proof at all uh, about other about the uh, the relative priority of need versus uh, versus personal distinctions in staka. So Ramosha's response to that is well, I know that's what the shach sounds like, but he says well pashut. But it's obvious that God forbid that we should interpret the shach that way. that because that idea, uh, meaning that we should understand the shulchan aruch um, literally as meaning that the Xus of a talman chacham uh, takes priority over actually saving the life of am Aretz, uh, that can't right, that is completely beyond the pale. To pikuach nefesh, afshalam ares, because pikuach nefesh, even that of an ares, should doche shabbos for all mitzvot Torah. That push, right, you can mechalal shabbos to save him, and any other mitzvah of Torah, except of course the big three, echlos hidochem mitzvahs hatzaka, li t'khusus la talmud chacham b'shul pikuach nefesh damares. How could you possibly say that it pushes aside shabbos, but it doesn't push aside the mitzvah of tzaka uh, for an ares? And therefore, he says it's obvious that what the shach means is mazonos sheim chayy nefesh yoter tzuruchu khusus. The Shach uses the language bikoach nefesh, but he doesn't really mean bikoach So this is an interesting loni because normally when Moshe says loni he just says you can't say this. The whole point is you don't need to make an argument. Here he makes an argument. Right? He says that it's unreasonable to make the claim, and the argument you know, is an interesting way of framing it. Right? That what we should, but really we're saying is pushing aside the mitzvah of tzedakah. But that's not the way most people, you know, if you understand it literally, you, don't, you wouldn't understand it as, oh, the mitzvah of tzedakah to an is greater than B'kodach Nefesh. You would say the dignity of a Talmud Chachem we're talking about ends, not means. So the argument is questionable. And I think that's why it's really important that when Moshe says, Leheh, Klau, he's read it, and I think that he thinks this is so important to say that it's not even enough for him to say it's out of bounds. He has to provide a rationale, but if you disprove this rationale, I don't think that would change the result at all. Um, so now the question is, though, I want to look and see, right, is, um, is Rav Moshe's moral intuition here that this is out of bounds, is that unusual? So the answer, so far as I can tell, is that everyone who has commented on this agrees I have not yet been able to find Chenacharon um, who holds that we really think that the ksus um, of a talmud trumps the life of an Amaretz, even in a theoretical time where there are Tamalei Chachamim who meet the Shachs. Standards, the question is first asked by the Mare Panem on the Yerushalmi so far as I can tell uh, because there are places in the Yerushalmi which may be just as troubling where the Yerushalmi seems to uh, give priorities um, for one person over another in terms of saving lives. And there's a whole at whether the Yerushalmi also needs to be reinterpreted. But so far as I can tell there is absolute consensus uh, with Rav Moshe that the claim that you would prioritize uh, any aspect of the life of a Talmud Chacham. Um, right, the, the language that we use is ksus, right, which is clothing, which is dignity. The, the notion that we would, in any way, prioritize the, the, right, that, the, any aspect of the life of a Talmud Chachem over the actual life of Namaritz is morally out of bounds. <laughs>